0: Um, gives me great pleasure to introduce, uh, Deborah Tomlins. Um, Tom, Tomlins? Popkins, sorry. I look at my notes. <laughs> um, Deborah lives here in Bristol and worships at St. Matthew's in Cotton. She grows organic food in her city garden and writes about climate and sustainability. She supports local sustainability initiatives in the food and transport sectors and she's involved with her local diocesan environmental group. She has a degree in French and linguistics and a certificate in theology. She's co-chair of the UK environmental charity Green Christian, which I think she's gonna tell us a bit about. And uh, if you'd like to find out more, there's a table uh, in the corner where she'll be happy to chat to you later. Um, And she is wearing a fair trade jacket and a purple cardigan from a charity shop. (laughs) Thank you very much Deborah. (laughs) Um, I've I've got the mic. I just, I just probably say okay. I I have dogs. I've got strong arms. So so lovely to be here today and to see the life and enthusiasm in your wonderful congregation, your fellowship. It's absolutely a joy to me to worship with you today. Um, And I was, I was just saying to Helen earlier that um, I was a bit sad that. I wasn't going to sing Indescribable at my church this morning, because that was on the menu, if you like, and then we sang it here, so I'm absolutely thrilled. Um, Yes, so I'm co-chair of Green Christian, which has been, um, we've been around for 41 years. We had our 40 year anniversary last year. And um, it it is a whole life discipleship organisation. We're a charity, we're a membership organisation. I've been part of Green Christian for nearly 30 years and I'm now co-chair, but it's a voluntary role. We're all volunteers, but we do everything to the highest standard. We do talks, we do conferences, we produce materials, we have an extensive website, we do retreats, we do an awful lot of stuff. And there are materials on the back. There's some um, wonderful leaflets, which you might really enjoy looking at. Nine ways of living gently on the earth. Please excuse my voice, it's a bit croaky. biodiversity protecting wildlife one about food and various other leaflets as well so do have a look if you have a moment and I'll be very happy to talk to you about that so I thought I was thinking about you know I think you're on it here I think you're really on it. I don't know why I'm even going to be talking to you <laughs> like you really really got the whole message but I will I will carry on because I, I decided, you know I've been invited so. Um, I was going to look at um, the story of Joseph, which I think you looked at a year ago in your Bible reading uh, from Genesis, excuse me. And the verses I was looking at were when Joseph, a young man of 17, who was tending the flocks of sheep, his father's flocks of sheep with his brothers, and he, He went back to his dad and he said, really, they're not behaving very well. And they were a bit fed up about that, I think. But Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he'd been born to him in his old age. And he made a very beautiful robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and couldn't speak a kind word to him. And then Joseph had a dream where he explained that in this dream, he was going to be more important than any of them. And they hated him even more. And they decided to get rid of him. So uh, he was 17 when this happened. And he was looking after his father's flocks of sheep. If children like to come forward a little bit, younger people, I have some things here that you could help me with. I have woolly the sheep. Would anyone like to come and hold woolly for me? Well you can hold woolly just sitting there where you are. Would you like to hold woolly? There you go. Woolly is a lovely warm sheep and it's very woolly, as you can see. And Joseph would have worn a very ordinary robe. When he was just doing his normal work, he'd have worn something very ordinary, made of wool. And something a bit like this. <clears throat> is anyone brave enough to try this on? It could be an adult if it fits them. I'm looking at Helen. <laughs> it just slips over. There's a hole for the head and a hole for the arms and, and a belt. Okay. So and this is made of wool but in those days clothes took a very very long time to make. First you had to shear your sheep, you had to cut the wool off And you had to clean the wool it's brilliant you look fantastic (laughs) yeah then you had to spin it into cloth oh hang on into yarn spin it okay and then um, then you had to weave it into cloth and eventually you cut it out and you sewed it up all by hand so if you needed a new robe because there are no machines if you needed a new robe it would have taken a few weeks to make one So people didn't have many clothes back then because they took so many, so much effort to make. They were very precious. I I have a, I have this, would it be better? Okay, should I turn this one off? No, okay, leave it on, have both, okay. So clothes were really precious. They maybe only had two or three tunics like this or robes like this. Um, And they had sandals and a headdress to keep the weather off, keep the sun off. Um, And they would have a cloak to keep themselves warm at night or in colder weather. And shepherds also have a shepherd's crook. So Helen, there you are, there's Joseph's crook there. Um, and that's a genuine one. That's from my brother-in-law who's a farmer, he's a sheep farmer. And he gave it, he gave it to my husband when my husband was ordained, he's a minister himself, because he said, you need, you need a shepherd's crook. Um, which is really lovely and shepherd's crooks are really useful because you can see the hook at the top there they're very useful particularly for sheep aren't very good at looking after themselves they fall into holes and ravines and things and it it helps to pull them out Um, (laughs) amazingly yeah another name for a minister of a church is a pastor and a pastor is a shepherd and Jesus is our shepherd so this is all very symbolic. So Jacob had 12 sons his favorite was Joseph and honestly I really don't think parents should have favorites it leads to all sorts of trouble doesn't it but Joseph was Jacob's second youngest son we don't know if he even had how many daughters he had he had 12 sons and Joseph was an old man as old as a granddad and so Joseph was his favorite and what did he do he made him a beautiful robe a coat a coat of many colors if you know the musical a beautiful ornate robe here we go now this this is not a robe this is a beautiful handmade scarf and it's made of wool so that's very right <coughs> excuse me we don't know if Joseph's um, new beautiful robe was made of wool or something else. Probably wool, but um, there we go. So there you go, yeah. Joseph. Oh, yeah. thank you, there you are. you're not gonna keep that because you're gonna be thrown into a well and sold to the, to the Egyptians. And they hated him even more when Joseph told him he'd had this amazing dream that he was gonna be one day more important. And so they sold him they, they got money for him. They took the robe away, like that. And he was taken off to Egypt, hundreds and hundreds of miles away. He couldn't get back to his family. It was too far to walk, and there were no trains and planes and automobiles. And he was a slave. Oh, I'm going to take that away as well, because you're no longer a shepherd, are you? You've got to go down there. Yep. And um, He was a slave, and he was having a pretty bad time because he had to do exactly what other people said. He didn't have any freedom. But although he must have been very sad about what his brothers did to him and felt it was very unjust, he loved God and remained honest and kind and trustworthy. So he is put in charge of a rich man's house. But then he got put in prison for something he didn't do. It was awful. He probably only had bread and water to drink. They didn't treat prisoners very well in those days. He couldn't wash or shave himself. His clothes got dirty and smelly, but even then he remained faithful to God and was kind and honest. And he was even put in charge of the prison because the warder trusted him. And he helped people understand their dreams, that special gift that God had given him. He used it to help people. I'm going to read a little bit more from Genesis here. Um, when, when Joseph was 30, people Pharaoh was having some very disturbing dreams and he didn't know what they meant. And people remembered Joseph. And he came out and he said, he had to wash and he had to shave. It says so in Genesis. And... He said to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, you know, you're going to have a really bad time. There's going to be a massive famine for seven years. And he told Pharaoh what needed to be done. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph, you can stand up. Yep. And he took his signet ring from his finger, very special ring that only the Pharaoh had and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in his chariot, a second in command and people shouted before him, make way as he went around Egypt. And he put him in charge of the whole of Egypt. So he was like Pharaoh's prime minister. Now that's not actually linen. I'm afraid it's cotton, but it does come from Africa, and Egypt is in Africa. So, um, and it's a very beautiful scarf, but it's not as beautiful. It's not as beautiful as the robe that Pharaoh gave to um, Joseph. You can sit down now, Helen. That's fine. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> both of these, both of these robes. He had two special gifts of clothing in his life, didn't he? He had one. Very special gift from his father, and one very special gift from Pharaoh. And they were very, very expensive and unique. And they showed that Joseph was very important to them, and they loved him very, very much. But notice that whatever Joseph was wearing, whether it was simple shepherd's clothes or rags or beautiful robes, he always tried to make God proud of him by the way he behaved. He was kind and honest and truthful so <clears throat> i think we've heard a little bit already about why we wear clothes but any ideas who <laughs> would you like to throw out a few more ideas about clothing keep warm, keep warm. absolutely <laughs> Weather like today there's all sorts of reasons to wear clothes aren't there um keeping warm keeping protected firemen wear protective clothing um, If you're walking across the Arctic, you definitely wear protective clothing. Um, You wear uniforms if you're a nurse or, again, a fireman or somebody like that in the army. It's identifying. It's sometimes for fun. I mean, to dress up like the beautiful turquoise outfit that we saw on the catwalk, that looks like it should go to a wedding, doesn't it? Wonderful. And I expect King Charles will wear some very special clothes when he gets crowned. But we all, we all have a lot of clothing at home probably, probably more than we need. And there's already enough clothing on this planet for all eight billion of us for another 250 years, which is quite a stunning thought. And most of that clothing is in rich countries like ours, in Europe, America, Australia, Japan, and so on. But in poor countries, people usually only have a few clothes. And some of those people are making clothes for us. I'll tell you a little anecdote actually. Um, You know this fashion for ripped jeans that comes and goes quite a bit. You buy them already ripped. I banned my children from ever buying them. I was really serious, They, they protested. But when I said, actually how insulting to those people who can't afford to buy clothes like this that they're being asked to rip them in the factory. You can't do it, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna let you do it. And they they did, very good, they never ever, I've got three adult children and they've never bought ripped jeans. And sometimes they're very badly paid and work in very bad conditions in hot stuffy factories for very long days. And some of those people making clothes for us, are children. It doesn't seem fair and it's not fair. It's not what God wants for his world. God doesn't want waste or selfishness either. But in the Bible, clothing is mentioned literally hundreds and hundreds of times, either general clothing or being clothed or individual garments like robes or cloaks, sandals and turbans. Don't forget it was all made by hand and was precious. You didn't throw clothes away. And as we've already heard, it's in prayers and and, um, what you've both said, it's important to think about our clothing and important to think about our impact on the world through our clothing, but it's, you know, we can enjoy it too. Because clothes are quite cheap these days, so one garment doesn't take weeks to make and doesn't take many months' wages, and new lines are constantly being brought out as often as once every two or three weeks, people don't value clothes that they used to. And an awful lot go to landfill. I think we heard a figure of 30% are never sold. 30% of clothes that are made never They often go to landfill. Um, but also, when you send clothes back, if you buy them online and send them back, it's cheaper for the firm to send it to landfill than it is to send it out to a new customer. So be careful what you order. So your clothes swap last night was a brilliant idea. All these ideas around here are fantastic. Mending, patching, altering, sewing buttons on. I've turned torn sheets into pillowcases. But God is not just concerned about our garments and what we wear. As with Joseph, God is concerned about our characters and our values. Joseph never forgot God wherever he was and whatever he was doing. In the New Testament, Paul asks us to put on Christ, to wear Jesus, if you like, like clothing. This means to leave behind our old selfish selves and to become more and more like Jesus. Joseph didn't know about Jesus, but he was becoming like him. So Paul writes this several times in his letters to people. This is a really important thing. In Galatians, he says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. In the letter to the Ephesians, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then when he wrote to the Colossians, he said, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So we become more and more like Jesus if we take, on, take off our old sinful selves and put on Christ. It's a very powerful image, isn't it? And one that Paul obviously valued, he used it so, so much. So thinking about fast fashion as you are doing here social justice in the clothing industry, clothing waste, exploitation of workers, and doing something about it, whether that's writing letters to companies or to your MP, sending clothes to charity shops, mending clothes, passing outgrown children's clothes onto smaller children, just some examples. And my my 21-year-old son is still getting hand-me-downs from his older brother, Um, and sometimes, they sell each other things. It's quite funny. I, I, I watch this kind of little mini market going on in my house. So, all these things are important and they're important to consider as part of our whole life discipleship, which includes caring for creation. The clothing industry is responsible for vast carbon emissions in transport, in manufacturing from raw materials, in more transport, in the energy used in advertising, in trashing unsold clothing in waste. It's responsible for pollution, not least plastics uh, in the the wrappings and the um, microplastics. It's responsible for social injustice, for physical ill health in the workers and even mental and emotional ill health. As we know, clothing is not valued as it was in the past. It's a mass market commodity, cheap to make, easy to throw away, not seen as the gift from God that it truly is. So I'm just coming to a close now, and I'd just like to point out that without creation, without the world functioning as it was created to, and of which we are a part, we are not set apart from creation. We were created on the sixth day, along with all the other animals. And that's often forgotten but I'm sure you haven't forgotten it because you may have read it last year. Um, But without creation and without our special job as co-workers with God of looking after creation, um, there'd be nothing. We wouldn't have any food or clothing or anything else. And without Christ, the world goes its own way and gets things very badly wrong. And the natural world suffers and people suffer. God is not overly concerned with what we wear, but he is concerned about our inner lives and what we do with those lives, which are also a gift from God. So to conclude, the gospel, the good news, is for the whole world and for creation too. Our job is to put on Christ, to leave behind our old lives, our old selves, to be transformed, and to become so closely united with Jesus that other people see him and not us. This is a gift, a privilege, and a blessing, and it's ours. So God bless you all, and thank you.